Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast with me, Joshua Patterson. I'm passionate about sharing the stories of courage and resilience. Each week, I will be interviewing extraordinary people from all different walks of life who saw past their statistics, who turn personal moments of adversity into strength. My hope is that this podcast can inspire you to step outside of your limits and achieve things you thought never possible. Welcome to Limitless. William Gouge also knows every step of the way from John O'Groats to Land's End. In August this year, he undertook the challenge to run the length of the UK, 850 miles, to raise money for charity following the passing of his mother to lymphoma cancer. Instead of running away from this trauma, he discovered the power and therapy of running, which enables him to process and turn his sadness into determination. Will... How you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? I'm just stoked that you're on this podcast. I mean, what a turnaround. You finished a week ago today. I did, yes. So to actually have you be here, I mean, I know how long it took me to recover when I did John O'Groats to Land's End. For you already to be doing podcasts is nuts. That's fresh in the mind. You look better than I do. <laughs> when I, I'm not when, sure about that. When I finished, I was honking... You look fresh. I've been sleeping, eating, napping, sleeping. It's pretty much been me for a week, so I'm ready to go again. And how are you feeling right now? Yeah, I feel good. Energy's, energy's high again. Um, legs feel heavy, like I've tried to run a few steps. They're heavy. I could run if I wanted to, but I'm going to leave it another couple of days at least. Do you know what's so nice is when you hear somebody's story and you actually get to meet them. And when I called you up and we had that first conversation... Mm-hmm. You have such an infectious character. You're such a positive person. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here and to be sat across the table from you, a guy that's done a similar challenge to me, but slightly different. So we've seen some of the same things. We've been through some of the same things in different contexts. But yeah, real pleasure for me. So thank you for having me. I think that's what's nice, though, about what we do is that it it bonds you. You may have never met the person Mm -hmm. before, but I think when you've been to those lengths, you have that connection. What I really want is for the audience just to get a bit of a clearer image of who you are. Yes. And the roots of where you've come from. Because although you've obviously just achieved this insane challenge of 850 miles, you're not a long distance runner. That was never something that you were particularly interested in or ever did. No, definitely so not. Where, where, does, where does this all begin? The first time I actually probably ran was... It was a strange day. I was in Los Angeles and I knew I was getting a call from my mum about how her treatment was going. This was in the summer of 2017. And I, I was in Santa Monica. I randomly went on a run across along the beach. Didn't know how far I was going. I just knew I wanted to get to the end where I could see the sun was rising. So I got there and it was already the longest run I'd already ever done. And then I ran back. I was barefoot, by the way, as well, for no particular reason. I ran across the boardwalk, had a load of blood blisters, but it felt really good. And then when I got back to the hotel, I was sat down, got a call from my mum. She goes, I got the all clear. It's gone. She was in remission. So that was, that was after the longest run I've ever done. And I felt good about it for some reason. Then I got that call. And to be honest, that was the, it's probably the happiest I've ever been at that moment there. So that was kind of a catalyst. I, kn- I knew I had that feeling from running. 
And then fast forward 12 months, whatever it was, to January 2018, where she sadly passed away. Um, I then found running a few months afterwards, and that was my coping mechanism. It became my therapy, running did. Because so. you were saying to me, whenever there would be quite personal moments in families' lives, you know, quite intimate moments, things like Christmases, mm -hmm. birthdays, you know, when your mother wasn't there, this kind of gave you something to, to be happy, right? Or, yeah. or give you something to take your mind away from it. Any sort of negative feeling I was ha having, whether it be sort of sadness or just kind of aggression as to what my situation was, I decided to kind of channel that rather than going one route. You kind of you, you have two choices, don't you? You either, you either deal with it and put it towards something good or you can go off the rails as such. And I fortunately channeled it towards running and found an output for myself that worked. So then with the, the days coming up, so Mother's Day, I didn't do anything specific for that. But then I decided to run my first marathon on Christmas Day. And I started in my hometown and then designed a route that went to where my mum was born, so Bedford Hospital. She also worked there as a nurse, and then to her first, the first house she was in, second house, and then I came back to Ampton, ran around places we lived as kids, and it worked out as exactly a marathon, so that was kind of cool in its own right. And when I did that, I did it for Macmillan and for the Primrose Unit that did most of her care, and through that I raised £12,000, which I thought was insane which was kind of the starting point for when the John O'Groats Land's End dream started. But yeah, I was, taking, I was taking those days I wasn't looking forward to and trying to put more emphasis on them. So it was like half of it was avoiding it and then half of it was dealing with it directly but putting it towards something good and people freaked out that I was running a marathon on Christmas Day anyway. Something like Christmas Day, that's tough for anyone. To not have a family member there, I can't even imagine what that's like. But for you to organise... A marathon on that day was such sentimental value in the way that it was structured and then on top of that to raise 12,000 mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're going through you can't help but feel happy off the back of that surely yeah I was ecstatic about it and I had a lot of close friends and family join in so a good friend of mine Elliot that was his first half marathon he joined me halfway around and then I had like my girlfriend turned up uh, family friends and then we all ended it together so the last, I think it was the last 5K, my dad jumped in as well and my brother. So it became not just about me, it was about everyone else involved. So yeah, it was insane. And that's kind of been my mantra ever since, trying to take that. Um, I kind of used the pain as my superpower, I would say. It doesn't define me, but it defines my actions. I think any, any emotion I feel, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's angry, if it's sad, can all counts as energy it just depends what you want to do with it as an output 100% I agree with that massively I always say that you know in life whatever it is that you're going through it, it defines you but it defines you in the way that you wish it to mm -hmm. when I went through the toughest point in my John O'Groats to Land's End challenge and I'm talking breaking point I was full body fits I was hallucinating I was vomiting I remember turning to Chris King my coordinator I was broken and I was done and I said Chris I'm done and he said listen to me what you're going through right now is a privilege mm -hmm. it's a privilege that you've worked for and you've earned so enjoy the experience it's so true You've earned it. You know, it's mm -hmm. pain, but it's temporary pain. And you've got to remember that this is pain that you've chosen to subject yourself to. Yeah. You know, you're not unwilling. And I think you have to remind yourself of that. But actually, like, when you can enjoy that pain, 
you've got to remember the wonders that come off the back of it. And it's what you've achieved to this point, right? Yeah. With your running, what is it about running do you think you like? Because there's a lot of individuals out there that probably don't run or, or don't see the beauty of it. It's a progression thing, so you can easily get better at it. I feel people always won't go as far as they can. It's like the 40% rule. So a lot of people that joined me on the journey, I had 10 people that beat their personal best. One of them was my cousin. She did a 10K for the first time. She never runs. And then I had nine other individuals that either ran a marathon or an ultra with me. Albeit over more of an extended period of time than what you'd normally do. However, these people achieved things with me while running. So that, for me, was completely insane. But getting back to your point... Yeah, the whole environment thing, being outside is an amazing thing. Fresh air, you see new things, especially when I get a new route. If there's a, if there's a place I haven't ran before, I'll often run further and enjoy it more. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of everything. It just became my therapy. I, could, I had time to think, and I also had time to deal with my problems whilst on the run. And I wouldn't drop them whilst doing it, but it, it was a coping mechanism. You want to think. Yeah, I want to think. That's my thinking time. It hasn't fixed everything, but it, it's fixing me along the way. I can, but I can think about other things while running too, just general day-to-day things or plans, anything. And do you think you have that mentality? Do you think you could have switched and gone the other way? Definitely. I'm kind of one or the other. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But it's, it's good that you admit that you have that characteristic because I yes. think a lot of people will resonate with that. I think it's very easy for a number of people to say, just commit to fitness. When you're in really bad times, that's when you are at your most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And not everyone does want to put on a pair of trainers and and go do a marathon. Sometimes you just want to wallow in bed and and be in pain. And that's fine. For sure. Sometimes you need that time. But I think the challenge sometimes isn't just what's happened to you. The challenge can be what you do to you as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think making that decision can be tough. But then that's where I think the network you have around you is so instrumental. There's a huge list of people that I can't thank enough. I've had people take off work for two weeks to to manage the run. My friend Josh, I've known him since I was born anyway. And then Robbie, who came from the US, he he ran across the US recently as a plant-based athlete. There's such a strong community of people out there and they do want to help you. And actually... There's nothing really in it for them. Yes, of course they want you to succeed. Like for them, really, it was, you know, for me, it was it was to attempt to break a world record. And Chris went, if you do this, I want you to get this world record for this team. Yeah. That was the fulfillment. And to be a part of something unique and special. And I'm sure it was the same with yourself. I think when you have that sentimental value, I think, you know, it's a little bit like anything in life. I feel like in order to achieve something, you needed to have faced some form of adversity in your life. Yes. I'm interested as to why you went from doing a marathon, a single marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking like a year, two years, right? Your journey with running. Yeah, it was March 2018 when I first kind of got into it. But then even that month, I think I ran 25K in total. So. Okay, so it's, okay, just over a year. Mm-hmm. What was your thought process going from, I'm going to do 26.1 miles to 850? Was it in order to get the biggest reaction for the charity you were raising money for? Was it a test that you wanted to put yourself through? Or was it because of the grieving process, it, that just enabled you some time to really reflect and to try, I guess, exert those demons that you had inside? 
it was a bit of everything. So when I did the, the thing for Macmillan and Primrose Unit, I got a huge amount of satisfaction knowing that I'd raised money for a good cause. And even though I'm grieving, so I did it for Save the Children, uh, I think children are the most, well, they are the most vulnerable people on the planet. They're often born into situations. They don't have a choice in the matter. So even though I might, I don't feel sorry for myself at all, I actually feel lucky. But through that grieving process, I know people are way worse off than me. Kids are in war zones. Kids are getting blown up. This is happening every day. So knowing that I could have a positive impact through monetary value, doing the challenge for them, amazing for me. My mum was a school nurse. Uh, she also uh, donated to a charity that put African schoolgirls through their education. So I knew she had she had her own onus with children's charity. So I wanted to do something that was slightly different, but I knew she would she would love. So the charity aspect was huge for me anyway. But then everything you just said as well, like the grieving process, I knew I get strength from that. So I knew that would carry me through. I thought about my mum every day I was doing it. And I remember towards the end, it was it was raining a lot. And I, was, I just looked up to the sky. I was like, please make it sunny at the end, mum. <laughs> Blue sky is perfect. So thank you for that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a mixture of everything. So it all came together. I did some ultras as a warm-up. So I did London to Brighton and Hadrian's Wall. And I enjoyed a challenge that expanded an entire day. Like I was out there for 16 hours for Hadrian's Wall. And yeah, you you get a huge amount of satisfaction out of such a long drawn out event that isn't kind of regular. It's interesting because I I never was into running Mm -hmm. and it's just become such a passion of mine now. And I think it's because it just... It enables you to do so many things, you know, to think, to feel, to see. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times do you take a new environment in that you never knew before? You know, there's this route near where I live and I'm always on my phone or I'm listening to music and, and I'm never really engaged with what's going on around me. And for the first time, I decided to just run without music. Mm -hmm. And I remember just stopping at this point and I was like, wow, there's a viewpoint so close to where I live of of so many major landmarks in London and it's so beautiful and I've done that run a hundred times and I've only just realized it yeah and I just every time I run there's something new that I'm grateful for I'm grateful that I can enjoy the sun mm-hmm. at 6 a.m you know I'm grateful for the fresh air I'm grateful for the people that you connect with on your run which mm-hmm. is so random a nice little wave you see another jogger how and, good is that you have a bond already and a smile mm-hmm. which, a smile. You re- which you rarely get in this <laughs> city you know yeah. and I, I guess it gets even better when you have the opportunity to do it by the beach or in the country mm. and you take in new landscapes which are just stunning and you can't help but feel happy and feel positive when you're surrounded by that greenery. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have the same feeling. Yeah, 100%. And even I'm less inclined to go out when it is raining. But boy, do I love it when it starts chucking it down if I'm out there already. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. You, your mood can't be tampered, I find, when you're actually out there. Yeah. You, you're immersed in it. Which part would you say over your trip was, say, the most impactful? I bet you will agree on this one. To be fair, it was it was Dev it was Devon and Cornwall towards the end and well it was between that and the start, the Scottish coast. The west side was insane. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Scotland was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. And then just There the was minute- nothing there, but it yeah. was it was so it was so free. But I think that was it. There was nothing there. Mm-hmm. Everything's so fast paced. Yep. 
you know, and actually those are the times I actually found myself at the most peace mm -hmm. you know the minute we started getting ourselves into cities and things dual carriageways oh, it stressed me out my anxieties were going through the roof i was getting really stressed i think it's because you're not able to think you think but not in the way that you want to you end up mm -hmm. having to think about everything else but everything else that's just meaningless yeah there's a lot of stresses when you're in cities and towns and busy roads you're thinking about pedestrians you're thinking about cars i was often facing traffic on dual carriageways and <laughs> You've got all these Arctic lorries coming towards you and you know you're going to be okay. But yeah, it's definitely mentally taxing. Did you have a time period that you had to aim for, for this race? Or was it just a case of, you know, we'll get there when we get there? Because for me, it was very much 19 days and we didn't yeah. have a choice. Like it had to be completed in that 19 days. Mine was two weeks. So I started on Sunday, the 18th of August, which was my mum's birthday. Another a thing of doing things on dates that I don't particularly look forward to but embrace anyway and I was happy if I finished two Sundays after that I ended up finishing on the Monday but on day nine which was quite a catalyst day I just had a 45 minute nap and I'd woken up and I'd done my usual I'd say I have a Red Bull and a codeine and codeine was a really bad idea by the way everyone don't ever take codeine <laughs> I was I was naive and so were the team. I basically started taking these strong painkillers because I thought, I'm in pain, painkiller. It says may cause dr drowsiness on the pack. That's fine. It wasn't fine. I basically turned into a zombie and I was hallucinating like you were saying. Night times were awful. I was seeing shit that wasn't there and I was becoming unmanageable too. I woke up from this nap, asked for it. They were like, no. I was like, excuse. It was like one of those things, mum? You'd told me not to have it, but come on, guys, just give it to me. And they're like, no, you can't have it. So I'd had it for about four days, and it almost took over my run as a whole. Like, you can't, you can't have it anymore. So I was like, okay. We just crossed the ford, and then Robbie came out and gave me the best kind of speech chat of my entire run. He, was, he said, we've been planning this speech for three days. First reaction, you've been planning a speech for me for three days. This isn't cool. Like, you can either do 50 miles a day now until the end and you can have tomorrow off because we're worried you're not getting enough sleep and you're, you're just going down, down, down. It's like, okay. Or you can do 47 miles or something a day every day and you'll finish on Wednesday. I was like, Wednesday? No, 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 no. So 50% of me, first off, I was pissed off. I was like, these guys don't think I can do it. They're, they're scheduling me for Wednesday. No. And then the other 50% was a realisation that I wasn't doing good enough. And then I was annoyed at myself. However, as soon as I had that talk, my brother, when Robbie got back in the transit van, whatever they were in, he was like, he's going to finish Sunday or Monday now, you know that, don't you? And then I, I took off the rest of the day. The, uh, the Elliots were with me. And from that point on, it never really, my form never really dipped. So as soon as I stopped taking the codeine, suddenly all my inflammation started going down my ankles were swollen my knees were swollen i could hardly when they put me into bed i would have weird dreams like i was i was awake and it was like i was still running i don't have anything visual to give you because there was nothing visual i'd toss and turn and i'd often wake up in the morning thinking I thinking i did a good job because my my mind was so focused on what i was doing and then obviously these drugs weren't helping but as soon as, I, as soon as I cut those out, the afternoon afterwards, everything was great again. How much pain would you say you were in 
I don't know how to describe it, but every everything from the waist down hurt all of the time, and I didn't I didn't really sleep much, if at all, for the first I think it was nine days, and then on day ten I remember waking up and. I'd had, I was, they woke me up from a deep sleep, so I was really tired, but I woke up and I was instantly elated. They were like, you look really tired. And I was like, I am really tired. You just woke me up from a proper sleep. And then <laughs> I was so ecstatic. I was like, let's go. And then I put in a 60 mile day again. So yeah, it was mad. But I, I was finding positions to sleep in and all of them were uncomfortable. So it was, it was just during the night you flip, you toss, you turn, and then yeah, you kind of figure it out. But I never did until day nine. I was just so grateful. I remember every time we got back into the camper van, I just, I was so happy to be in bed. I was so happy to be out of that wheelchair. I was going to say, what your pain levels like when you were sleeping? Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. I just, every part of my body was battered. Every single part. There wasn't a point where I was relieved of pain. And mm-hmm. I tried to stay away from painkillers as well much done. as I could. Yeah, you're a smart um, man. I'm a little bit, nuts though i mean i everything i try and do i try to empower my brain as much as possible i try Mm -hmm. not to depend on things too much there were times though don't get me wrong where it just got so unbearable my back i remember seized up so badly and that ultimately which was creating the full body convulsions when my whole body just went into spasm and then that was when i just went okay right I'm, i'm gonna have to take something here because it just it would start to affect my performance and that yeah. was the most important thing is that i was consistent throughout so i can completely see and and the sleep is such an important thing but it gets to a point where i you know you, you're pretty sleep deprived right mm-hmm. um and the hours seem to go by so quickly you seem to be running or in the chair all day and then when it comes to sleep it just seems to go with a click of a finger mm-hmm. Uh, you just become a zombie, right? Yeah, I was pretty much a zombie. And I remember a lot of days, the last six miles or whatever, because I did mine in six-mile sections, I was falling asleep in the road. And whoever I'd normally have someone with me at this point, and I'd be, I'd be stumbling all over the place, but I knew, I knew I had to get to that certain point. So all I was thinking about the whole time was how many miles do I have left. It was like a running clock. It was, it was a mathathon, if you can call it that. What does the word limitless mean to you? To me, being limitless not only means challenging myself physically, but it's also about stretching myself mentally and widening my mind to new possibilities. This is why lifelong learning is so important to me, as it empowers us to keep striving for knowledge. I'd love to give a special shout out to today's sponsor, Skillshare, the online learning community that hosts a huge range of classes. Thanks to guys over at Skillshare who are offering listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free over at Skillshare.com limit. You could learn how to meditate to enable you to be more conscious. The possibilities are endless. Head to Skillshare.com limit to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com limit. One of the days that you were discussing, two of your friends, both Elliot's... Mm-hmm. One T and two T. That's it. Showed up to run with you, right? Mm-hmm. These guys don't run. Nope. And they both did a 40-mile day with you. Yeah, I think one of them did 48 and one did 46 or something. That was the difference. Which is 
unbelievable. Bear in mind, mm -hmm. a lot of people, and understandably as well, trained for a year to do something like the London Marathon, right? 26.1 yeah. miles. These guys just show up yep. and they do 46, what is it, 46? 46 and 48, I think. 46 and 48 me. miles, mm -hmm. which is unbelievable. But it just shows you, if you alter your mindset, anything is possible. The fact that they were with you and they knew you were there for your mum yeah. changes the game. Mm -hmm. You know, pain becomes irrelevant or any pain that they have, it's almost like the, the brain subconsciously just takes over and it enables you to achieve anything that you want to. You just have to want to do it enough. And yeah. there was no way those guys were not going to go and do those lengths knowing what you needed to achieve that day. Yeah. They needed to be there for you. Yeah. That, to me, is unbelievable. That's the power that it gives people. They were there to support me, and then they ended up doing something amazing for themselves. And I fed off that massively. The level of support I had from friends and family just turning up and doing their bit or people turning up and like they'd come and do washing or they'd bring me food or anything was unbelievable as as we touched on earlier i don't know if i have enough to get, to give in return to all the people that that helped me along the way i guess you give you are giving back to them though i guess they equally will show gratitude like my team had never been subjected to disability in that way before mm -hmm. i think this is what's so exciting about the challenges you do because I think as they go by and they increase more of a community more individuals are going to be subjected to this and hopefully adapt this mindset you know because doing this challenge for yourself is one thing but raising money for charity as well on top of that is just the greatest thing mm -hmm. I mean do you continue running do you increase the distance that you've gone the fact that your mentor essentially ran across America but the issue with that then is, when do you find that level of contentment? It's a tough one. Because once you've had it, you want to then do more. So I'm, I'm not recovered yet, and I'm still thinking about what else I can do. But it's, it's all good for good. So I don't think it's an unhealthy thing to be thinking about doing other challenges I don't know when when or where or what it's going to be but it's certainly not going to be my last like I took I took so much from what I've just done and I always will and that'll probably be the best thing I've ever done of sorts because it was my first big thing but yeah it's definitely a catalyst for moving forward and doing some similar things I remember actually speaking to my therapist about this ages ago and I said she, she, you know, she goes why do you do these challenges like why do you test yourself in the way that you do and I said I do it you know it's a, it's a form of punishment you know like mm -hmm. you know when you're in a negative mindset you do these things and you know people drink and they do drugs and they kind of abuse or punish their bodies in that way well for me I started to realize that if I was going to like abuse and punish my body mm -hmm. I was going to do it in a constructive way where actually it ended up having a positive effect. And she was like, but your terminology is all wrong. Like you're not abusing your body. You're building it back up. That's a better way to just look at things. But I, I get where you're coming from. But a lot of individuals do do this. They're like, do you know what? If I'm going to wreck myself, I want to wreck myself in some pretty ridiculous ways. But at least at the end of it, I have... 50 miles to show for it yeah or i've swam a distance or i've whatever it is that you set yourself in life and i think that's a mindset that i would love more people to try and adapt as well mm -hmm. you don't have to wreck yourself doing things but having something you can you can you've have and you've achieved is then your power going forward you can put it towards other things 
if you've overcome an obstacle once, then you use that for something else. Like if I do another challenge going forward or anything, this was also what Robbie said after it was one of the most poignant moments in his life. He was like, you realize now you've done this, you can do anything. Nothing's going to be as hard as this. Or if it is as hard as this, you know you've already done it. So if you have something like that, it's, it's a hugely powerful thing. Massively. And it's not something you forget. I mean, yesterday I did a half duathlon. So it was a, a 10K run and a 20K bike ride. Hadn't trained for it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't preach this. Preparation is key in anything. And actually, sometimes for me, the preparation is more important than performance. If you know that you've done everything in your power to achieve what you want to at that point, you have no idea what the outcome is. Something could go against you. And yeah. if it does, at least you know to that point you gave everything. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, just through personal reasons and, and, and work-related, I just didn't have the time to train for it. But the one thing I had, which was the greatest asset of all, is that I can consistently remind myself of what I have accomplished. If you can do 950 miles, because we ended up having to do excess mileage in a wheelchair, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. So when I went into this challenge, I was just like, I'm ready for this. I am ready for this. There's no fit. And also, like I said to you, you have to remind yourself, you subjected yourself to it. You want to be there. It's temporary. And do you know what? It was tough. There were times where my mind, unfortunately, was saying, mate, come on, get off your bike, get off your bike, or just stop. And you just get through it. And it was one of the best experiences. And also, it was an experience that I love so much because it took me out of my comfort zone. I haven't ridden a bike I don't know since how long. Since and I've certainly not done it competitively. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but now I've done it. I've, I've, I've just introduced myself to something now that I think I really want to take on mm-hmm. and, and a real passion. And I think you've got to try these things. And what's wonderful about these events when you go to them is that you see people from all different walks of life, different shapes and sizes, different performance capabilities, different age groups, but just the admiration you have. I remember there was one point yesterday when I was running and I was broken and I was very close to stopping, not giving up, but stopping because my legs were cramped up in a really bad way. And this guy, I heard this guy grunting from behind me and he passes me. He must have been late 60s. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, we really clipped that. Wow. When I saw this guy, I was just like, right, let's get it. And actually this guy doesn't know it, but he was my inspiration yesterday. And I basically tracked him for the remainder of the race because every time I felt that pain or a negative thought and I looked at him, I was like, this Mm -hmm. guy's my role model right now. Like, if this guy can do it, I've got to do it. That's one amazing thing about endurance events and especially ultras is I remember London to Brighton, which was my first one. I think I was 10K from the end and there was a guy that was at least, this is the very best I could say, he was 70. And he was plodding along in front of me. At this point, I'd changed my mindset. I was, I was in the lock, and I was like, "If I if I see anyone at this point, I'm going to go past them." But seeing that guy, who was definitely seventy, probably older, was like it was mind blowing. And at the start of the race, I'd gone off course and taken taken a lady with me because you often end up just following the person in front of you. There's signposts everywhere. We went about two miles off course. We we got back on on the on the race. I, when I finished at the end. She walked past me. She'd already finished. She finished first in the ladies. She finished it in nine hours or something. I came in in 14 hours and 14 hours and 20 minutes. A lot of women will win ultra marathons. Where do you think you see yourself with what you've been doing? 
I, we keep, you know, I've spoken to you about the challenge that you've set yourself. 850 miles is a, is a very, very big one. You mm -hmm. know, John O'Grosser Land's End is, it's a monumental thing to have achieved. The problem with that, though, is the distance itself. You know, do you just revert back to marathons and ultras and be content with that? Or is it something that you see yourself improving on? For me, John O'Grosser Land's End was all about finishing. I don't think I'm going to revisit that and go, oh, I'm going to do it in 12 days this time because it's a four days less than last time. I think once I've done something, I'm I'm cool with it. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be one of those guys that beats records. I'm not, a, I'm not really your typical runner. I'm too big. So I don't know. There's, there's going to be other challenges. I need to think about what they are. Um, fortunately I've got quite a lot of time on my hands so yeah I'm 25 now so I've got I've got a lot of time to to mull it over and think what I'm going to do next but it's certainly not going to be the last big challenge I do in the meantime marathons and ultras I'll still be signing up I know I'm doing London 2020 for Macmillan so yeah what advice could you give someone who is grieving well, I actually dealt with it probably too well to begin with that's probably why I didn't start running everyone was shocked i delivered a speech at my mum's funeral which was probably the proudest moment moment of my life but i was kind of too happy and too upbeat about everything when deep down it kind of then collapsed afterwards the advice i'd give is it's just kind of what i've said the whole time about you're going to be down you're going to be sad you're going to be angry as well but you really have a choice yourself of what you're going to what you're going to do with those emotions and if it's not if it's not a physical challenge or anything, you need to find something that is even if it's creative, if it's drawing, if it's singing, playing an instrument. You need to find some kind of output that puts your mind at ease with things, and you have to realize that the pain's never going to go away, but you can you can manage it. You just have to find out what's your best management. Make that pain your superpower. That's good advice. If someone resonates with what you've been through and they want to connect with you. What is the best platform for them to do that? Just DM me on Instagram. I'm, what, pr I'm pretty friendly. And what's your Instagram? <laughs> it's WFGooge. And my surname is a weird spelling. And yeah, it's <laughs> Whiskey Foxtrot. <laughs> Good. And then GE on the end. <laughs> there you go. If One thing I always like any guest who comes on to do, gratitude is one of the best things. Yes. And it's not something as a society I think we do enough of. You kind of touched on it earlier. If you could say thanks to anyone that has helped you to this point, who would it be? Well, a huge emphasis would be on my parents and my brother, so mum, dad and Alex. And then I've just got such a strong... There were so many people that stepped up to the plate when my mum passed. So there's the McLeod family. They pretty much took us in. We were going to dinner there three or four times a week. When I finished my marathon on Christmas Day, we went there for Christmas dinner. They're still all there. The Davis family, same same thing from them, always there. And then I've got all my close friends. I've got Elliot Clements Hill, Elliot Reader, Adam Theobald, Joe Tidd, Dean Adamson. There's a lot of names and I'm going to miss people off, which is going to wind me up a lot. But everyone that was involved in the run as well. So Robbie Ballinger, he came out for two weeks from Denver to help me. Josh Warner, he took off two weeks of work to help me. Just everyone that everyone that showed up. There's too many names and too many people have done great things. We spoke. We both know James Yates, another guy I've had great conversations with. Dan Hyman. 
I wish I could take up another 10 minutes and say alone more names. <laughs> but it's epic. It's epic. Even yeah. when you say it out loud and you realize what an amazing support network you have. It makes me happy thinking about it. And I think everyone should say I love you more to other people. That's one thing I started doing when my mum was first diagnosed and I know. Never used to say I love you. Made sure I said it every night, every opportunity. Say it to friends, say it to family, say it to people. You, even if it's someone that's just something, done something nice to you, it feels good. It feels good to say it, it feels good to receive. Hey, I think that's just such a powerful way to end this. And I, you're just such a lovely, lovely guy. So brother, mate, thank you so, so much. Appreciate it, dude. Love you, brother. Love you, man. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Limitless. This podcast is something that I'm so passionate about and would love it if you would let me know your thoughts and opinions by leaving a rating and a review in the comment section. It really helps me to spread the word. If you think this story might resonate with someone you know, then please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Thursday where I'll be talking to more inspirational guests who have seen past their limits. Until next time.